Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95. With Tesco, where you won't pay more for the products that matter most to you. Tesco, every little helps. Now, it is that time of the year again, or very close to it, the annual Sleep Out fundraising initiative to raise funds for the Simon community who help the homeless in Limerick and elsewhere. But as we know, they're very active in Limerick. And you can sign up and join the Sleep Out at Thoman Park Stadium on the 30th of November. And uh, Pat Brown, who has done the Sleep Out in previous years, is with me in the studio. Good morning to you, Pat. And Liam Toland is here too. He's involved, as you know, Liam's also uh, with home instead senior care and you're welcome as well um so tell me uh, pat what the experience has been like doing the sleep out uh, it's 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 pretty good i have to say um on the evening you arrive uh you get a stadium tour usually with um the patron in previous years it was duncan casey former monster hooker this year it's dan goggin um so you kind of get their experience they give you a behind the scenes tour you do the dressing rooms they have a few anecdotes etc uh, then there's uh, a guest speaker every year. Uh, the first year it was about food poverty. Uh, the second year it was about the family hub. And this year it's um, there's uh, a couple of different speakers across the, the full spectrum of services provided by uh, Midwest Simon. Um, after that then there's food and there's a bit of a social gathering and people kind of drift off then to the area where they sleep in. So they sleep in the concourse under the um, the stand. So it's exposed to the elements as such, but not to the rain. No, um, but I'd imagine not the warmest on the 30th no, of November. Cold. It's quite cold, yes. Yeah, um, and does anyone actually get sleep? Uh, I always sleep, no matter Do where. Do you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Would you be unusual among the group? Uh, probably, yeah. And my snoring then probably keeps people awake as well. So. <laughs> and do you think it gives people some sense of what it must like to be forced outside, to be homeless and not necessarily to have the option to find refuge? Yeah, it would do. Um, I don't know if anyone's familiar with that concourse, but there's different air conditioning units. And so even, you know, the, there's a bit of a fight for who gets the best spots. So being positioned under one of those, and I remember actually lying under one of those and thinking, for somebody who's trying to find a place at night, the different kind of challenges. So, you know, some are dry, some are safe, um, and then you have pests, etc. So, you know, it just it's just scratching the surface minutely. Um, about the dangers and the actual conditions that these people actually uh, have to deal with on a nightly basis. Right. So, Liam, how are you involved? Well, it's a, it's a good question, Joe. And uh, I suppose for many many years, I felt like you know just plodding through life like the average Joe, no pun intended. And um, in, in most days, consumed by my own needs and my own challenges, I presented as as often is the case. And um, I've always had a kind of a niggle in me, like. Okay, I recognise how fortunate I am. I recognise my parents are amazing, and the and the family I was born into by sheer luck is is a huge part of who I am today. Um, and I think that at the core of all that is is the home environment that I've been so fortunate to be experienced. So when Jackie uh, Bonfield, who's the CEO of, uh, she reached out to me, and uh, it kind of all just fell into place. Um, it made a lot of sense. I didn't know a huge amount about Midwest. I was aware of the brand, but I didn't know. The broad, uh, the broad structures of what they have and, and what they do for the community and that. So I became part of the team, um, and it's 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 pretty good actually. I, I'm enjoying it for a start, and I'm enjoying kind of scratching that niggle and maybe what what, what you're experiencing on the night, like every, anyone who takes part will get something different back from it. So it's a, what your motivation in taking part is is a personal thing. 
but what you get out of it is also a personal thing. So for me, I suppose I was really interested in, in getting more knowledge about what Midwest do, understanding not just, obviously this is for raising funds, but it's not just that, it's raising awareness as well. And there's a huge amount of really amazing things they're doing, like the Family Hub is is, is an amazing, amazing ingredient into what is being achieved locally here as well. So I'm involved because I'm so lucky, essentially, and uh, I see so many who aren't as fortunate as I am. And you'll be interviewing people on the night. Talk to me about that. Yeah, so um, there's a number of people who've experienced the various uh, aspects of what Midwest do. So uh, from simply as we spent a day, when I say we, volunteers, spent a day packing bags for kids under nines, between nine and and, and 13 and over 13s, the simplicity rulers, erasers, copybooks, from that all the way through the food bank, all the way to the family hub. So we'll be interviewing people who've experienced the various aspects of what the Midwest are doing and the importance, you know, putting your hand in the wound, the importance of what has been achieved. So if you take the family hub, one of the really amazing things that the Midwest have achieved is they have a, a six-month average turnaround. So where a family finds itself in very misfortune situation, there's an average of six months getting that family from the hub, which is a typically about 10 families in, in, a, in a house out in um, uh, uh, the Dublin Road, getting it into into real accommodation. That's an amazing achievement from the middle. So we're interviewing people who will, who will be able to let us know what that has done for them, where they've come from and their journey. Okay, we're chatting to Liam Toland and we're also chatting to Pat Brown uh, about the sleep out that's happening at Thomond Park Stadium on the 30th of November. Uh, Jackie Bonfield, uh, CEO uh, of Midwest Simon, has been with us regularly on the show explaining the sort of work that's uh, done as uh, Liam has outlined there as well. And Pat, uh, clearly it's a transformative experience for people who take part in it, but where's the fundraising element of it? Uh, so it's it, 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 it's a thousand euros. You have to raise a thousand euros to participate. Um, but that can be done in a workplace. So, you know, in an office environment, you know, you say, look, I'm going to do this. People try to get behind you, raise the, the funding, whatever, for businesses, etc. And and just on the point on the services, from the first night that I went, uh, the, speak was, the, the speaker was talking about food poverty. And it's something that has resonated with me since, uh, in that people have a choice to make. People in this situation, do I provide accommodation for my family? Or food, and in a lot of instances, accommodation wins out. And so, to see people on their way to work having to call to the food banks, that is just something that nobody has to do, mm-hmm. should have to do. Yeah, and it does happen. You can yeah. you know, those queues, as you say, at times um, as well. Uh, the numbers that have taken part in the past in the sleep out, and what you'd be hoping for this year. There's typically about fifty or sixty. Uh, diehards that would do it and there's a fun element to it as well so there's a kicking competition which will be refereed by Andy Brace um, and overseen by Dan Goggin uh, on the night and you know there's politicians will arrive along and, as well as the participants so to see the politicians slipping on the surface of Thomas Park it's worth raising the money alone just to see that <laughs> so, so sleep out but maybe not a huge amount of sleep had <laughs> well they're not as well and, and this year again there's in, in terms of broadening the awareness from within the community there's uh, there's students can, be, can become involved and we have a 200 euros entry barrier for that as well so we're really keen to try and get the numbers as, as Pat was saying from 50 upwards yes for fundraising but I think it's creating further advocates. If you're getting students involved and they're becoming involved, they become they become advocates for this really good concept. So they go back to the colleges and they start telling them. And I was talking to a bunch of Canadian students who are over in the in UL in the medical school, very very interested as well in that. And just by way of numbers, 
there's about 6,000 people on the food bank program here in the Midwest. So 6,000 people from within our community are availing of the wonderful work and the the, the food that has been provided. And, and I think Pat touched on as well, that there's a working poor element to people who find themselves. So there's a cross range of why people are are involved in, in the Midwest. Yeah, I mean, it is a huge blight in our society in Limerick or around the country that there isn't a bed at night for people at times. You know, I know it's a very complicated um, issue and Jackie's explained that to us in the past and sometimes it's that people just don't want to come in to shelter you know, for all sorts of uh, reasons. But at the same time, you know, in a country as wealthy as Ireland, you know, there must be more we can do. It's a, it's a black mark against us as a society that it, it does exist and that it exists to such an extent. Um, and just again, just to touch on some of the other services that are provided, uh, they have a drop-in service. So, you know, even just little things like uh, a hot drink, uh, a sleeping bag, um, some warm clothes, they're provided as well um, and I think when people think of homelessness they, they have a, a vision in their head but it's far, far greater than that. Okay, well listeners can register by going on midwestsimon.ie and going to the registration page or they can contact uh, Simon directly on 061 um, happening on the 30th of November, the sleep out at Thoman Park Stadium. Um, Liam, with one of your other hats on, I see you writing in the Irish Times today <laughs> about um, Ireland past, the performance against Japan and what's next for the World Cup? Well, I think the good news, and myself and Pat were, were chatting about this outside, the good news, I think Ireland was still top the group. Uh, if you take out your abacus, you can figure out that, that that's more than possible. So it, it's a huge dent, though, because um, I just felt, looking at the body language, the Irish players, after about 20 minutes, looked wrecked. And James Ryan, who was one of our iconic, he's only a kid, really, he looked wrecked. Keen Healy, when he came off, looked wrecked. So it really, in rugby, it doesn't matter what style you play, as long as you can impose it on the opposition. And we got a lesson that Japan said, no, hang on, you, you can throw what you want at us. We can more than, uh, we're more than comfortable with coping with it. And by the way, here's what we do. And there's, in those two, there's a lot of messages that, wow, we were really blown off the park. And where we tried to bully, we were incapable of. And when it came to pure rugby skills and rugby execution, the speed of the Japanese recycle, the speed of this halfback pairing made our defence very, very difficult. They asked huge questions of us whereas we asked almost none of them and we came off the pitch at halftime wrecked and they were like the whole nation, like that scrum on the 35th minute. Like I laugh and giggle at people who are, you know, fancy backs and they've lost why a scrum is so important. Well, there's an example of why it's so important. So a lot of worrying. I think we'll still top the group, but every four years it comes back to the quarterfinal. Can we get past the quarterfinal? And we're playing potentially New Zealand or South Africa and where I thought coming into the tournament might be 50-50. Now it's shift to 70-30 maybe in, in the South Africans' favour. Some people were making the point yesterday that if Johnny Sexton had been playing, we would have found a way to win the game. Is that fair? I think it's more than fair. But, but as the clock is ticking along, who's controlling communication on the pitch? So in other words, Johnny Sexton or the out half can only do so much. You need a t- 12 and 13. You need an 8 
10, 8, 9, 10, 12 and 13 who are managing the tactics of what's happening. That wasn't happening. Another worrying thing is the messages coming from the, you know, the, the powers that be, the management, didn't seem to be impacting the style of what Ireland was playing. So our kicking game was very loose. Uh, we forgot to get outside the Japanese very aggressive offensive defence. So we weren't we weren't using things as you were reading the game. And oftentimes when you see an out half coming on, if you think back to Ronan Agar or uh, with David Humphreys or Johnny Sexton, when the out half comes on the sub out half, they seem to have been watching for an hour and they start doing things because they've been watching. They've had the pleasure of watching without the hits. And I, I was disappointed how Ireland didn't react and didn't adjust their game plan to, to suit the the real damage that was being done and uh, the kicking game became very inaccurate and I think it was very poor and that the type of um, defence that Japan were running that we weren't trying to get outside it whether we felt we don't have the skill set for it and there's other things like which we've all been commenting the lack of offloads and the lack of that so when we don't dominate the, like you take CJ Stander if he's not dominating the corridor power we've nothing and that we fall off a cliff and that's worrying and, and to be direct about it I mean was there any excuse? I mean, should we have beaten Japan where we are in World Rugby versus where they are in World Rugby going into this World Cup? I think so. I, I definitely think so. Now, one of the challenges we genuinely have outside of how we play our game and that is that we normally tick along at 8 out of 10 for the last four or five seasons, which is a phenomenal achievement. But the problem we have is Japan, as an example, they Jamie Joseph, who's their coach, he took all the Japanese rugby squad out of this natural professional rugby for 12 months and put them into the Sunwolves, which is the Japanese uh, franchise, into their reserve team. And he just trained them, trained them. And when they needed a match, he drip-feeded them into the Sunwolves. So they came, they were entirely focused on this World Cup. So we played them two years ago, and I think it was 85-25 was the overall, or something, we demolished them. And it was the bones of both sides still playing. So they've spiked... They've come right up from maybe a 4 out of 10 right up to 9 out of 10, whereas we're still sitting on eight, 7, 8 out of 10. So we find that France, Australia, um, South Africa, definitely, Japan have all spiked in terms of their performance, yet our performance hasn't evolved or hasn't spiked or hasn't asked. So they've prepared hugely for us and we don't seem to have the answers for them. Okay, we'll wait and see what, as I say, you're writing about it in the Irish Times as well uh, today. Liam Tolan, thank you very much for coming in to us. Thank you as well, Pat Brown. And uh, we hope that there is a big reaction, as I'm sure there will be, to uh, this sleep out. Uh, you can go to midwestsimon.ie to find out much more and to register happening at Thomond Park Stadium on the 30th of November, raising money for a very good cause indeed. Call Limerick today now on 461995.